Okay, let me give you the Waze update. All right, so anyway, uh, for those of you that have been attending the last few weeks, we've been giving you the Waze update out of uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Now, after the holidays, we're going to go back into Proverbs and be dealing with chapters 5, 6, and 7, but it just didn't feel like that was the place to land during the holidays, so uh, we'll be going back to that. So we wanted to take a key verse out of Proverbs chapter 3 and expound on it and talk about it in regard to uh, the app, Waze app, W-A-Z-E, Waze. And I have learned so much about this verse from the app, Waze. So here is your Waze update. And Pastor uh, Stunny and I were talking today. Uh, he's following uh, on, or uh, we're going together on Wednesday and Thursday. And so he said, uh, what if we just call it God's way? And uh, so anyway, this is God's way out of Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, is this a little loud? Lean not on your own understanding. So don't lean on your own understanding, um, regardless of how much experience you've had, how much you've gone through that experience before. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways, W-A-Y-S, uh, ways, W-A-Z-E, can be just another way to pronounce or, or to say ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Um, so every week now, I am learning something about this app, learning to trust this app, ways. How many of you now have it on your phone? How many of you have yet to come over to the intelligent side? All right, and you still have not downloaded Waze on your phone. It's really going to be good. It's going to help you. You are going to learn things about how to drive better and how to get there faster. And uh, I'm learning a couple things about this app as I am applying it to spiritual principles. So the sooner you start and turn on your Waze uh, app to wherever you're going, the better you'll be. Because if you go the wrong way, it's going to pick you up from where you are instead of right when you start, then uh, put it on and let it tell you how to get there the fastest, best way, especially here in Orlando. So here's the uh, latest thing I learned this week about the Waze app and relationship to applying it to leaning not to my own understanding. Uh, no matter how many years I've been in ministry, no matter how much I've experienced in a certain situation, God is saying to me and to you, lean not to your experience, lean not to what you've been through, but lean unto me and I will show you the best way through this situation. So, double application here with the Waze app and uh, even more so, God knows a whole lot more than the Waze app. But uh, let's go to the screen and uh, this week, all right, 
This week, Alice and I got in the car. We were going to Alafaya Trail. Now, I normally know how to get there, all right? So anyway, I've been in the area for a long time. And I said, Alice, because we didn't know where the place of business was that we were going to on Alafaya. So I said, put it in. Let's see what it says, which way to go. So uh, here we go. Let me go all the way over here. And here's Lake Underhill. Here is Alafaya Trail. Okay, so I live back here, right there, all right? So anyway, we came up this way. We're going east on Lake Underhill. And we get about here, and it's saying, turn on Huckleberry Finn, right there. I have never been down Huckleberry Finn to my remembrance. I don't know where it goes. Um, it's like, why would I turn on Huckleberry Finn when Alafaya is right there and the address is on South Alafaya. Why would I do that? And yet, I'm learning to trust in this app, so I turned. I had no idea where it was taking me, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Alice, can you believe this? And she said, yes, I've been down this way several times, and so I'm like, eh, don't rub it in. So anyway, I cut out this area right here and all this traffic and the light right here. Uh, and uh, coming down this way, I just, it took me right through here where I never remember driving through there. It was, in other words, a what? Short cut. And so the place of business was right over in here somewhere. And uh, we got there. And I'm like, okay, I've learned another lesson. Lean not to my own understanding because God knows how to get me to where I'm going by the fastest way to get there. All right. So that's the application of the Ways app tonight. God knows how to get you to where he wants to take you the fastest route. And even if you've been through the experience before, even if you have years of experience, learn to trust in God. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. All right, that's a good word. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for helping all of us. God, what, a, what an application to our lives. That, Lord, before we start into something, we should take the time to acknowledge you and ask for your help. God, help us to stop leaning to our own understanding and to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Reinhard Bunke, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you may have heard by now, passed away recently. And uh, one of the greatest evangelists that um, the world has ever seen has changed the continent by the grace of God, the continent of Africa, uh, crusades of up to a million people in Africa. I read his whole life story. It's one of the most fascinating uh, stories of faith, perseverance, um, one little story. Anyway, his memorial service is tentatively scheduled right now to be here on January the 4th, a Saturday, and we are, if they decide to 
It looks like they're coming. They decide, what an honor for our church to uh, have this memorial service for such a servant of God. Uh, in his story, in Africa, uh, he was, crusades were getting bigger years ago, and he had a tent made that would seat 10,000 people. That's about uh, uh, three and a half times the size of this auditorium. And uh, it cost millions of dollars. He raised the money. Um, they had to buy semi-trucks to haul it, um, special equipment to pack the ground, to set up the tent where it wouldn't fall. And they finally got it built and set up. And I think it was on the first crusade, a storm came through and ripped it to shreds, tore it all to pieces. I'm reading the book. I am just devastated. And his attitude was, well, God has something better. And then God spoke to him and said, the tent is too small. I don't want you to use it. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to go bigger, and this tent won't hold the people that I want to bring and get saved and, and get healed and, uh, and as a result, help to change the continent of Africa. Well, let's get into the finances. And uh, as Pastor John earlier said, we don't want you to stress at Christmas about Finances, especially if you do not have the means. Do not, let me say it up front, do not go into debt that you cannot pay when the bill comes. Uh, if you put it on a credit card, that uh, uh, God does not want that for your life at this point. I remember buying a toy for my son when he was about, I don't know, seven, six, seven years of age. It was a truck. Uh, it was almost like a caterpillar truck. It had like 30 little tires on it. Uh, it was about this long. It would climb up uh, over uh, areas, but it took like 30 batteries, C batteries. And, and uh, he, he started playing with it. I was so proud of it. It was like, it was my toy, and I was so proud of it. I had bought it for him. I think it was me, and uh, now that I look back, I think it was Alice. Uh, it was a terrible toy. Anyway, and so it, it, it went too slow for him, and yes, it would crawl up the step in the house, in the living room, but it was so slow, though, all those tires and he hardly played with it at all. And then the next time I saw it, it was outside in the sand. And uh, he, he wasn't playing with it at all. I don't know what it cost, but it was a waste of money. I want my money back. And so I cannot get it back. So you do not go out, go into debt over toys that maybe kids aren't going to, to even use. We may set out a bunch of big boxes this coming weekend where you can pick one up and they will, if you got little kids, they'll play with it, I will assure you. So when it comes to Christmas and finances, don't argue about the finances. If you're married, don't argue. If you're a single mom, don't argue with the kids. Just keep a smile on your face. Do not let finances uh, cause you to stress out this Christmas. So uh, many times, though, people argue about money around Christmas and 
maybe all the time. Um, some of you, if you've got credit cards, please watch it. It is so much easier to spend with a credit card than it is with cash. So maybe you just need to start using cash more than a credit card if this is a problem until you get it under control. If you're getting late due notices on a regular basis, it is time to change things in your life. And maybe with uh, January coming up, it's time to stop and say, I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to keep living buried under debt and uh, uh, feeling like a pauper. No, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to spend wisely, not emotionally. I'm going to spend wisely. If I don't have it, I'm not going to spend it. If I don't have it and I don't have more than enough, I'm not going out to eat all the time. I am not going to keep doing unwise things that at the end of next year, you'll be in the same place. If the Lord tarries, I don't want you next December, the first couple of weeks, to be stressing out about the fact you don't have any money. So let's change this. Let's stop spending uh, when we don't have it. Let's don't stress and go into debt buying things we cannot afford. Let's make sure that we put more thought in it than maybe even more money into it. That you got to stop the culture of spending and uh, therefore I need, I need, I need. No, let's change the culture to saving and also to giving. And so the more you give, the more you're going to reap. So those cultures in, in around the world that are like this, we need help. Unless they stop that and start saying, yes, I may need help, but at the same time, I'm going to get on my feet. I, I'm not going to live like that the rest of my life. No, I'm going to start a culture in my life where I'm a giver and a saver, and therefore, I have my needs met by the grace of God, and I'm going to help meet the needs of others. Uh, wouldn't it be better for you if you were able to buy what you wanted to buy, to have what you need to have, and not be overspending, and you're a giver. When missionaries come through, you're able to bless them because you've changed from a cultural mindset of I need to I'm going to be a giver. And uh, I, listen, I, I know what I'm talking about. I, like many of you, I grew up poor. The poor used to call us poor, all right? So we were poor, but I didn't know it for years. And I was happy until in my teenage years, I looked around and I'm like, dear Lord, we're poor. And I was, all of a sudden, I was ashamed of it. Before that, the old house with the tin roof and, and the unpainted outside walls and inside walls. Uh, well, some of the inside was painted, but uh, one little fire, uh, not fireplace, one little uh, heater, gas heater in the living room, none in the bedrooms, uh, tin roof, uh, no insulation. At night, you could hear rats running through the attic. 
It was kind of cool, actually, as a boy. And when the rain came, you could hear it pattering on that tin roof, made for some of the best sleep ever. But when I discovered I was poor, I'm like, for heaven's sakes, I am poor. My family is poor. And then I started thinking, I'm poor. And I started act like I was poor. I didn't know it. When I didn't know I was poor, I didn't act like it. But now that I knew it in my teenage years and I looked around and other people, I had more, better homes. And, and then I started dating a girl like in the 11th grade. And she lived in a big brick house. I did not bring her to my house for over a year of dating her. And then I was petrified because our house was an old house. And then the bank realized we were so poor that to loan us money, they made us build a little brick house. And it was like, thank you, God, we were so poor. And all of a sudden, I start thinking being so poor is a good thing. I went to Bible college, had $50 on me. Uh, I don't know how I thought I was going to pay for it. I didn't give it any thought. And at the end of the semester, they called me and said, how are you going to pay for this? I said, I have no idea. I'm poor. And so they said, well, if you're poor, here, fill these papers out. I filled them out as best I could. They looked at them. They said, sure enough, you are poor. And so we're going to give you some money. We're going to loan you some money. And then the government is going to give you the other half of the bill. And so I'm like, this poor stuff is really good. It's really, really good. And so then I started poor mouthing. Anybody ever poor mouth? And a couple of us here tonight are. So I'm just telling you, I know what it's like to be poor and to poor mouth and to think that's my mindset. I'm poor. And then all of a sudden I started growing in God and God was like, you're my child. You need to stop poor mouthing. And so uh, I want you to start confessing you are somebody in Christ. You're a child of God. Uh, you're not going to be poor all your life. Uh, no. See, that was the hindrance even to me being in the ministry. Because when God called me to the ministry, I'm like, God, please don't do this to me. I've been poor all my life, God. And every preacher I know is poor. If I say yes to God, I'll be in the ministry. I thought I was saying, okay. I finally, after a couple weeks, I said, all right, God. I've been poor all my life. I'll be poor the rest of my life. I'll be a minister for you, Lord. I'll be one of your poor ministers uh, throughout the land. And when God got a hold of my heart and started changing my mind and my heart, and I started reading the word, and I realized I was not destined to be poor. I may not have been destined to be super rich, but I'm rich in Christ. And so then I started confessing with my mouth uh, differently than I don't poor mouth anymore. By the grace of God, I, you get out of that. Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 and 8. Now, goodness with contentment is great gain, or godliness, I should say. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. In other words, if all you got is food and clothing, don't pour mouth. 
even at Christmas time, don't pour them out. Do not say this Christmas, yeah, I'm too poor to buy anything. No, don't say that. Say, I need to watch my finances. I may not have what God's uh, preparing for me, but I am not going to go out and do something unwisely right now because right now uh, I'm in between blessings uh, and, uh, and yet at the same time, you're not in between blessing. We're blessed all the time, all right? So here's God's plan for contentment. Number one, establish a reasonable standard of living. Number one, one of the biggest things people do that don't have enough is they, they eat out all the time, and I know it's so nice. It's, like, it's like, kind of like a cruise ship. If you've ever been on a cruise, you, you, you don't make your bed. You don't do anything in the room. I mean, you just kind of make, you know, you just, it doesn't matter. They're going to clean it up. Then you go eat. And you pick what you want, and they take the dishes, they wash the dishes, you, they come in, or you come into your room, the bed is made, the place is clean, there's a little rabbit towel on the bed, and it's like, this is my life right here. I think that's kind of like what heaven, no, I'm not sure about that, but anyway, uh, sounds good for heaven, doesn't it? But, uh, but you're not on a cruise now. And so going to the restaurant just so you don't have to wash the dishes is not maybe a wise thing to do. Now, if you're in a place where you can eat out every night, then don't worry about it. Eat out every night if you want to. But if you're not, then don't do it. Establish a pattern of giving. If you're ever going to get out of that mentality and culture of feeling poor and speaking poor, you have got to develop an attitude of giving. Because when you start giving, when your mind says or your old flesh says you can't do it, when you start doing it anyway, you start breaking the bondage of that old stuff off of your life, see? And that's why in this church, we encourage you to give. Why? Because we want you to be blessed. That was a... Anyway, all right, so anyway, all right. I said, we encourage you to give around here because we want you to be blessed, right? Every one of you, we want you to be blessed. I hate it as a pastor. When I see people that I love struggling under the weight, I love to give, Pastor, but I don't have any money. And I'm not going to probably have any tomorrow or next year either for the rest of my life. I've been poor all my life, and Pastor, you know what it's like. And I'm going to be poor the rest of my life. And I want to say, stop it. And open your billfold or uh, wallet uh, and, uh, and give something to the Lord right now. And stop talking like that because God is waiting to bless you. But you've got to re be responsive to the word of God. All right. Well. When it comes to wisdom, that's why the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and wisdom in every area of our life. And it says, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it, ask, ask, ask for wisdom. And if you are struggling financially, ask for wisdom and then read and hear everything you can about 
finances, starting with the book of Proverbs, uh, and spend wisely, and don't overspend, and pray for better deals, ask for better deals. Years ago, we had an associate who was a wonderful guy. Um, he, um, he came to me, and he, uh, I said, listen, uh, you've got some time. We need a new phone system. We were at Goldenrod probably, I don't know, 20 plus years ago. We were at Goldenrod, and uh, we had an antiquated phone system, and we knew it was going to be a little expensive, and so he comes back to me after doing all this research, talking to all these people, and says, Pastor, uh, I've worked out this deal. It's going to be uh, $22,000. And I said, uh, offer them seventeen. dollars And he's like, what? And I said, yes, offer them seventeen. dollars And he says, Pastor, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm like, well, do it anyway. And uh, offer them seventeen. And so he goes back and he offers them seventeen, dollars out of embarrassment and shame, thinking they're never going to do it. Well, of course, they're going to do it. They took a little less profit, but they did it for 17, or maybe it was 17.5. I don't remember what it ended up, but it was shaving, saving several thousands of dollars. And you say, Pastor, that, that, you shouldn't do that. You're cutting into their profit. Yes, I'm cutting into their profit. I am uh, cutting into my loss too. And so uh, we're saving money. This is God's money. And so, yes, I don't mind asking for a better price I want you to get to the same place. Now, I don't want you to go into Publix and say, hey, I'll, I'll give you a 25 cents for that loaf of bread, all right? Uh, no, I'm not paying that full price, all right? So this works in a lot of cases, but it doesn't work in all, all right? I don't know. Try it. Let me know what happens, okay? And, uh, but uh, yes, there are, I, I change prescriptions, you know, I have, you know, after the kidney transplant, I had some medications I had to take on a regular basis, and I was getting it at one local place, got a lot of outlets, and uh, so good people, sure, but uh, very expensive, and then I'm like, you know, I'm going to check out Sam's, and I check it out, and it's a whole lot cheaper. Now, it's aggravating because I got to park the car and beat, you know, fight through a bunch of people to get to, well, not fight, but uh, go through a bunch of people to get to the pharmacy, and I got to walk all the way inside. But I did it, and the young lady that was in there, she said, you know, you may be able, they, they offer discounts on this medication. And I'm like, really? And so I called, she said, here's this number, and I called the number to this pharmacy or this company pharmaceutical company, and it was a nice guy on the other end of the line. I was really nice myself, and you have to be nice when you're dealing with finances and people, and in general, you just need to be nice all the time, all right? So I was really nice to him, and, and I think he liked me, though he, you know, we were just having a phone conversation, and, and he said, well, yes, we're going we're gonna to give it to you. It was $85 a month, every single month, and Every once in a while when I am, you know, like I got to go to Sam's, walk all the way in. Then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm saving 85 a month on one prescription. It is worth the 100 feet walk to go inside to, for $85 a month. And so we figure out these things. God gives us wisdom. God gives us favor. You know, somebody says, well, here's what's going to cost you. Well, you know, here's, here's what I got. 
You know, Alice and I met with someone recently. I don't know if she's still embarrassed after all these years, but anyway, it doesn't matter whether she is, uh, uh, you know, in regard to what I ask. And, and the guy says, well, it's going to be this much. I said, that's not in my budget. And, bef- and literally within 15 minutes, the, he, had, he all of a sudden was talking like <laughs> way less. And I'm like, I should keep going here. I'm like, well, you know, that's not really in my budget either. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, way down here just to see what he would do. It took that little effort to save over $1,000 just like that. I was happy. Anyway, and that was right after I'd found the shortcut to get there. All right, so anyway, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience that day. All right, so you and I don't get stressed over the finances and uh, don't get stressed over family. Let me give you just one more verse out of Proverbs. Uh, It involves stinginess. We don't want to be stingy. Well, I'm going to give you two, all right? So guys, bear with me in the... um, the upper bowels of the media department. All right, stinginess. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, there is one who scatters or gives, uh, blesses others, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Stinginess will lead to poverty. And then laziness, guys. Laziness. Ah. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep. Oh, that's a challenge. All right. Do not love sleep. Um, boy, talking about sleep. Um, uh, last night, Alice and I went to bed at a decent hour. I'm like, I'm going to sleep good. And at about 2.15 in the morning, all of a sudden, the alarm system goes off in my house and you awaken out of a dead sleep. It's like a patrol car is sitting in your living room with a siren going off and you jump out of a dead sleep and you're like, oh my Lord, oh my Lord, is somebody breaking into our house? We've been there a couple of years. It's never gone off ever when it wasn't supposed to go off. I shouldn't say this, but um, I grew up on a farm. I hunted a lot. I still have some of those guns from my childhood, all right? So uh, I ran into the closet. I grabbed the uh, 16 gauge, and here I go through the house. I'm like, I just intend to scare them because I'm scared, and so uh, I just want to scare them too. I wouldn't kill them unless they had a knife and they were coming at me or Alice, then, well, I'd shoot him in the leg. It's just birdshot, and it would hurt so bad. Well, it would probably do a little more than hurt. But anyway, it, um, and I am walking through the house at 2.20 in the morning. And the, the, I, I could have just turned off the alarm, but it's still on. And so I'm just, and turning lights on, and Alice finally turns it off, and I'm, I'm seeking them out. I'm going through every door, checking it every, all the way in the back bedroom, which I, I had to fortify, fortify myself because it's way around there and it's in the back bedroom. And I, I'm surely, if he's in the house, that's where he's at. 
I'm like, oh my God, have mercy. And nobody's there. Every door. This is strange. What happened? Did they try the door and couldn't, it went it off? I don't know. But it was somewhat disconcerting, to say the least. And we go back to bed. Alice goes right to sleep. <clears throat> She goes right to sleep. How can you go right to sleep after what I've just been through? I, she was, she got more peace than I guess I do at that moment, but uh, I don't know. I just, I kept thinking, did I check that door? Did I check that one? Was it a person? Are they still in the house? No, because I looked everywhere. And I got up again, went and checked something else. She's still sleeping. And so, uh, do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. <laughs> um, who doesn't love the right kind of sleep? You don't want to be awakened at 2.15 in the morning to a siren. But open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. In other words, we're not lazy. We work hard. We're diligent. We, we don't uh, fool around. We don't get there late. We don't have a bad reputation. We don't take too much time off, you know, uh, to the point that we are hurting the business. We're being dishonest. No, we are on time. We are, we are good employees. We work hard. We, we don't leave at one second after five o'clock or whenever it is you leave. No, we don't do that. We are good employees because we're honoring God and we recognize that, our, that we are representing him, all right? So anyway, then last couple of things on finances, differentiate between needs and wants. Differentiate between needs and wants. Uh, be sensitive to God's direction in giving. Be sensitive to God's direction in giving. Um, a lot of times people just give, give, give emotionally. They give emotionally. They don't give spirit-led. You and I as believers should pray. If we have a tendency to just give emotionally, uh, somebody's at the, you know, at the street corner and they're asking and we're like, ah, we, you know, we got to give him. Um, we need to be careful because it may be that person's going to get right up, go to the store and buy liquor, and you have contributed to their alcoholism. You say, well, they're going to get drunk anyway. Yes, but it won't be your money, all right? Uh, I shouldn't tell this, but I was at Sam's years ago getting gas. Guy walked up and said, hey, can you spare some change for a, I need a bus to get on a bus? And I said, sure. Pulled out a couple, three or four quarters, gave it to him, and uh, he left, and um, I went over to the store, the convenience store, and I go in, and I see him. He's got a pack, six-pack, and he, I'm behind him in line, and I am like, he is going to buy, I didn't, you know, I didn't give him enough to buy the whole thing. He's going to spend my money, God's money that I'm a steward over. I walked up to him, and I said, uh, give me my quarters back. Right now, give him back. He digs into his pocket, and he's got a pocket full of quarters that some of you probably contributed to. And so uh, he pulls it out, and, and I said, give me, I think it was three quarters. Give me my three quarters back. You're not taking my quarters to buy that stuff. Nope. And uh, 
I wasn't about to. So you, you know, don't, get, don't go the other way. I've helped plenty of people. I mean, I have helped a lot of people, and some of it, uh, some of them, you know, they didn't do it wisely. Others of them did. They spent it wisely. But uh, don't accuse me of being hard-hearted because I know better because I've been very, very, very generous. But I want to give according to the Spirit, not according to my emotions, all right? And there is that big difference, all right? Let's talk a moment about family issues, okay? Every problem, every family has problems. And when it comes to Christmas, or I shouldn't say problems, I should say challenges. When it comes to Christmas, Christmas can really be a time where it brings to the surface great emotion concerning family members. Um, my family is no exception. We've had, we've had challenges in our home. We've had a child go through a divorce, uh, such a grievous, horrible thing, enduring, um, uh, you know, adultery, enduring physical, uh, against them, uh, physical abuse. And uh, so we've gone through some things, um, some other issues we dealt with in our family. We've, we've encountered uh, um, a close family member that shot their son, we've uh, encountered others that uh, committed or took their life. And so every family has issues that they deal with. And yet, through it all, through the pain of it as a parent, through the pain of it, of whatever you're dealing with, if it's an in-law, uh, out, you know, Alice calls them my in-loves or my daughter-in-law. It took me a long time to get used to that. I, you know, it's so mushy. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm now saying, yeah, they're my daughter-in-love. Um, you know, daughter-in-law just sounds like outlaw, too close to outlaw. So anyway, it's just, uh, but family, it can really intensify our emotions at Christmas. And um, just like this Christmas. You know, we've got a, our daughter and son-in-law in Canada. They can't come for Christmas. We have a son that just came for Thanksgiving, thank God. But he and the kids won't be here for Christmas. And, and so we're like, oh, nobody's going to be home for Christmas. And so it's like, oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? We're going to go somewhere. That's why we're going. And uh, we'll visit our daughter in Lakeland. And, and uh, yet all of us deal with all that emotion and and uh, sometimes there are people that are causing us pain in the holiday. And, um, you know, don't, let me, let me say this too. Don't be one of those Christians that find fault with everything. Um, don't be one of those that, you know, you turn into a spiritual Scrooge. Uh, you know, with Christmas, it's so commercial, I don't want to participate. No, Take the good out of anything and, and, um, and enjoy it. I know there are Christians that have told me in the past, well, Christmas trees are of the devil because it came from the, this uh, satanic holiday. I don't, it, the origins of something like that are not going to affect my life. Even if there was something cursed years ago, that curse can't come on me because I'm a believer for heaven's sakes. And so don't, don't tell me not to put up a tree. Well, you can if you want to because nobody's coming. But anyway, uh, um, I'm going to put it up anyway. 
Uh, yes, and you can help me. All right, so anyway, or somebody can, but, uh, but anyway, it's don't fall into that trap of just turning it into a, you know, Santa Claus. He's of the devil. Just take the good and celebrate and let your kids uh, have a good time and make sure that Jesus stays the focus, you know. And, and even though they're going to enjoy the whole idea of gifts, um, and we didn't tell our kids that there was, we told them we were Santa Claus. I'm not going to condemn you for whatever you say. You just need to be very careful and Christ-like and spirit-led. Uh, I know our neighbors years ago, they got mad at us because our kids went next door and told their kids, there is no Santa Claus. And then mom and dad comes over and said, thanks a lot. And so, so we had to move out of the neighborhood. But anyway, it was, uh, we literally did. But uh, not for that reason, but anyway, we still love them. They still love us. But it, I don't know. I hope they've forgiven us. It's been a long time. So, uh, but family, there's nothing like family to bring you joy, and there's nothing like family that can bring you pain. But let's make sure that even in the pain, we realize God can turn it into joy, and especially at a celebratory time like Christmas. It's such a, a wonderful, glorious time, and family can be so incredible. Uh, I, we now have na nine grandkids. Um, our Granddaughters, our twin adopted daughters, granddaughters are 11 now, and they just sang this past week at uh, Sunday or Saturday at their Christmas thing, and, and uh, we got to hear them sing. They were featured. They're, they take after me anyway, and so I'm kidding. Uh, they I don't know who they take after, but uh, anyway, they're special. Our first grandson, when he was born, he was born at a birthing center, and we were all there in the house, and finally the other grandfather and I, we left. We went to get Krispy Kreme donuts, and uh, while we were gone, the kid was born, for heaven's sakes. But anyway, I recommend just stay there next time. But family can bring you such joy, and even if your family situation is not ideal this Christmas, you make sure, you purpose in your heart to make the best of any situation, even those that are not what the way you would have it be. So family, finances, let's make sure we're spirit-led. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, I pray for every person here that has had pent-up emotions about this Christmas, family, and Lord, what's going on, and the distance maybe, I pray for healing. I ask you, Lord, for every person in this building, if there's any distance among family members, that a Christmas miracle would take place this year. God, that brothers, sisters, parents, God, there would be forgiveness, there would be reconciliation, and I pray that God, you would give people here wisdom to help bring that about. Lord, and if they don't see everything they want to see this year, God, help them to have faith and hope and trust that you're still working. You're still doing things that they don't see. God, help us, I pray. In regard to finances, I 
bless these people. I pray, God, that you would help them. Those that may find themselves temporarily at a place where they, where they have need, I pray, God, that even in that need, they would become givers, sowers. God, so you would bless them in return and they would see the miracle of giving this Christmas season in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, please. Every head is bowed. Christians, you're praying. You're whispering a prayer for maybe somebody sitting in the service that they're facing Christmas and they do not know Christ as Savior. That's worthy of prayer right there. If somebody's here that's away from Christ or maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, tonight, what a great night this would be. You will enjoy this Christmas maybe more than any you've ever enjoyed because Christ will reign in your life. So if you're sitting here and you've never invited Christ into your life or you've been away from God, and the Holy Spirit is touching you, tugging on your heart right now, I want you to quickly just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Others are praying for you right now. So why don't you just lift that hand high across this building. If that's you, God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, just lift your hand high. God's just tugging on your heart. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God's speaking to your heart. Anyone else? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, God, that you would touch any and all in this building. For these that have lifted their hand, I pray, God, your Holy Spirit, draw them to a place of total surrender. Lord Jesus, that's why you came. That's why you were born, so you could die a Savior to this world, a Savior to these. God, that needs you tonight. In Jesus' name, stand with us, please, everyone. In just a moment, Pastor John's going to lead us in a chorus, and we're going to open these altars, and we're going to ask you, if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come. As soon as Pastor John starts to sing, lead this chorus, someone's going to be coming, one of our pastors is going to be coming and serving communion to those who want to partake of communion. And um, we normally do it once a month for those of you that may be new to the church. But every Wednesday night, usually without exception, we have communion here for you to come and partake. So right now, if you raise your hand or you have a prayer need in your life, feel free. Slip to this altar. We're going to pray with you. And then pastor's going to come for the communion service. God bless you. If you raise your hand, slip out and come. Why don't you do that? Why don't we pray together before you leave this service? Father, in Jesus' name, God, draw these. God, draw these and just acknowledge they need you, Lord. God, draw them, we pray and ask. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Father, we bless you. Praise God.
Praise God. Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. Pastor Wayne is here to serve you. God bless you richly. And you can slip out after this prayer. But let me say, as we have for years and years on Wednesday night, you got busy today. You haven't spent time in prayer. Chances are, if you walk out of this auditorium, you're not going to do it for the rest of the day. So why don't you take a few minutes, just let others by and you be seated. Just spend the next few minutes and just pray. Ask God for wisdom and application for even family and finances. And and, uh, then just spend a few minutes in prayer before you leave this building tonight. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for your wisdom and for your word uh, that you've spoken over our lives tonight. We receive it, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for those that you've even drawn to these altars and are drawing to you, Lord God, over our, our broadcast tonight. Those that are reaching out to you for whatever reason, I thank you, God that you're ministering to each one at their place of need. I thank you, God, uh, that you're saving and delivering. You're turning situations around. I thank you that you're restoring joy and peace and and bringing answers, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you are doing the impossible even in these lives. And I pray, God, that when they leave this time in your presence, God, that you continue uh, to go with them, God, continue to minister to them, continue to show them your love and your joy. And I pray that that would ring true all over this room under the sound of my voice, God. that as we navigate the rest of this week and this season, God, we would navigate it knowing that you are right there with us, leading us in every step, and that your joy and your peace are our portions. We honor you, and we thank you for blessing everyone in the sound of my voice. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. So thankful that you were here tonight. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Pastor Wayne is here to serve you communion if you'd like. Otherwise, God bless.